Before we start, this episode contains some chat that might be triggering for some listeners. If that sounds like that could be you, do check the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the podcast that gently guides you towards ideas you might not have thought to consider before. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm chatting to Gabby Bernstein. There's small T traumas and big T traumas and they all have effect on our life. Not everyone's going to have a dissociated memory, but they definitely have an experience that they have tucked under lock and key and just said, no way, I'm not touching that. I am going to build up all these other protection mechanisms and all these different parts of myself to numb and push down those experiences and fears and memories and things I never want to touch again. We can't judge or shame or blame the parts of ourselves that have been so extreme. They have actually been protecting us. Gabby is a New York Times best-selling author, an international speaker, and, in her own words, a spiritual junkie. She came on the podcast back in 2020, and since then, we've really struck up quite a beautiful friendship, which I will boast about somewhat. We voice note, sure, we text, sometimes we even FaceTime, lucky me. Those who knew Gabby always thought of her as being high-achieving, high-functioning. The world saw her commanding stages and publishing eight books, but now she's written a ninth book, Happy Days, a guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace, which lays bare the trauma she was experiencing behind closed doors. In writing the book, she realised that being vulnerable is our greatest strength. We talked a lot about trauma and the effect it can have on our memories. We talked about internal family systems therapy, which is something Gabby is now trained in. And Gabby actually did a bit of that therapy on me during this conversation, which wasn't planned. I wasn't expecting it. But you know me, I'm game for anything. So I went with it and I found it deeply interesting and actually really helpful as well. And we also talk about EMDR therapy. I hope you'll find from this episode that there are so many different types of therapies and you won't relate to all of them. That's absolutely cool. That is normal, but it's worth exploring them to see if there is one out there for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Here it is. Here's the show. Hey, Gabby. My love. Hi. Oh, Gabby. I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so... Oh, I can hear your cat meowing. What's your cat's name, Gabby? Jimmy Blue. Jimmy Blue's quite new to your life. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, clearly. I won't let her go, but yes. She is my baby. <laughs> oh my God, she's, as you know, I'm a mad cat person. So I know, I'm I know, all for I know. a cat being part of this. My cat is too old to be where I am. She's in the kitchen on her little chair because she's 20, which is an unbelievable what? age for a cat. Yeah, 20. I've had her since I was 20. 
What? It's wild. That is I know. crazy town. 20 years old. I felt like 18 was a long time to live. No, it's so old. And I think because there was, I had two cats and one of them sadly passed away last year. And the, the strangest thing as well as sort of losing that beautiful, pure love is also going, oh my God, look at all we've been through together. Like the places we've moved around to, around and in and out of London and the parties I've had and you've been there, all the times I've been crying and they're such a beautiful constant. It's, yeah, mad. I remember when your cat passed and I was, I didn't have Jimmy yet, but if I did, I would have been like bawling because I I was sort of removed from that kind of love and now I understand it and it's really deep love. It's deep. It's just uncomplicated. Like with humans, you know, you love them, but it's not, always straightforward with cats it's just all oh, any pets easy just pure love that is the transaction that's it they just want to give you cuddles and she's an angel i really feel like an angel incarnated into this kitten she's mm. so great i'm so happy you've got a cat in your life it's beautiful news um so gabby last time well the first time you came on happy place the podcast I checked this morning and it was November 2020 wow not only have we since become friends but I mean, a whole host of stuff has happened globally, but also in your life and my life. So it's hard to know where to start. But yeah, I'm very grateful that we're now mates. It's been lovely getting to know you over the last year and a half and chatting on the phone, FaceTiming, sending text messages. It's been a joy. I'm going to say that you of all the people that I met virtually through the pandemic, and it's a lot, you know, you made a lot of friendships like online during that time. Yeah. You are the one that I cannot wait to hang with. I mean, you are my vibe. You are my people. I want to get, you know, I want to bring my family to you. I want you to bring your family to me. I want to just, just hang big time. It's going to be uh, intense when we meet. <laughs> yeah, totally. And loud. Totally. What's your sign? <laughs> What's your sign? I never asked. Virgo. Oh yeah. You're totally a Virgo. You are like super organized. Yes. I love a Virgo in my life. I am a Scorpio, but I love that level of tidiness. <laughs> oh, it's uh, my husband's a Scorpio. So I know that dynamic very well. I'm not surprised he is. You can kind of see it in the, like you can see it in someone's face, you know, I don't know. I'm a classic Virgo though. Like I'm textbook. I'm under the dictionary where it says Virgo is just a picture of me. It's I'm embarrassingly Virgo. Um, So Gabby, as I said, it's hard to know where to start because so much has happened and I can't really remember what we talked about in that first episode. I know we had a wonderful connection and it was a very beautiful episode, but we've got so much more to talk about. And one of the things that's happened over the last year and a half is, you know, everybody has faced certain challenges because of what's going on in the world, but also just personal things that are happening. And much like myself, when you're going through stuff, you turn to writing. And I'm sure that if you weren't a published author, you'd still be doing that. It's very healing, wonderful practice. Yours just so happens to have concluded in this absolutely beautiful book that I've been able to get a copy of, which is called Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And it feels like it was a a deeply healing book to write. But I know from talking to you, but also from reading it, that before you'd kind of 
signed off on the book and it was ready to go. Your publishers had initially been a bit concerned and felt it was maybe a bit too raw and that you were being a bit mm-hmm. too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? And what kept you pushing through with the project? I'll read from the introduction to answer that question. And everyone, Jimmy Blue is purring in the background. Get used to it. Introduction, the truth about this book. We're anxious for you, Gabby, said my publisher after reading the first pass of the manuscript. It feels too vulnerable, they continued. You're revealing one difficult moment after the next. You're not showing your true strength. My ability to be this vulnerable is my true strength, I responded. The conversation carried on with several moments of tears, passionate explanations defending the manuscript, mixed with mutual agreement and love. While this was a challenging conversation to have, it was necessary. This book is different from the eight that came before. This book reveals parts of me I'd never known were there until I started this writing process. This book tells the story of how to thrive. This is my story of recovering from trauma. And I actually left one word out of that second to last sentence. This is a story of how to survive and thrive. Survive is first. (laughs) But why I read that is because that's the truth. I submitted this book and it was so alarming to my publishers because they have seen me on stage. They've seen me publishing eight books before this one. They've seen me in that part of me that was high achieving and high functioning and high of service. But all the while, there were many other parts of me that were falling apart, that were really struggling, that were, that were clinging and just holding on for dear life. And the, 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 the reason I think that's important is that we can be going through really difficult things, really difficult things, and still have fun along the way, still do a lot of good things in the world along the way, still have a lot of inspiration along the way. And I want that to be really hopeful for somebody that might be like, whoa, I'm going through a lot right now too, but it doesn't have to be decades of, of tough stuff. It can be a lot of light along the way. I guess ultimately there comes a time that you feel naturally ready to go a bit deeper. Mm. And initially, because you know, we, this book basically helps us uncover the root cause of all of our behaviours, addictions, patterns, you know, some of them we're aware of and some of them we're not. Mm-hmm. And you, at the start of the book, go back to a very specific memory of when you were in your 20s, you were running a nightlife PR firm, you were in your car, 8.30 in the morning, commuters going to work, you're getting back from work, you're drinking some, like, brightly coloured energy drink and just feeling terrible. Mm-hmm. And you were in a loop of addiction and you knew it. But then obviously there are behavioural patterns that are a lot less obvious that you need to kind of dive a bit deeper with as well. But essentially, this book, through your own sort of, you know, memoir and and telling these stories, allows us to check in with all these different behavioural patterns to go, what's driving them? Because there's always something. There's always something underneath it. It's not just, this is just how I am. There's something beneath it. Yeah, the book begins with me in that car. And I'm replaying a cassette tape. <laughs> yes. Back in the day. In our 40s, here we are. <laughs> uh, so I'm playing a cassette tape. And 
I'm hungover from the night before. I've got the Gatorade bottles on the floor. I'm like, you know, everybody's going to work. They've got their shoulder bags, their coffees. And I am going nowhere. And in this car, and I just keep pressing play, rewind, play, rewind on this cassette tape. And it's a cassette tape recording of a psychic reading that I had had five months earlier. And at the top of the reading, she says to me, you are struggling with drugs and alcohol. And I hear my voice quivering in the background saying, it's not that bad. And then she carries on and she says, you have two choices in this lifetime. You can stay drugged out, you can stay on drugs and you can have a lot of trouble or you can get clean and make a major impact on the world. And I kept rewinding it and rewinding because I couldn't believe it then, but there was a part of me that felt that call. So fast forward, you know, however many months later, I, I did get clean and sober. I then went on a really deep, spiritual and therapeutic journey to really start to heal the wounds from that experience and whatever was in front of me. But I always wondered, Fern, I was always like, what is underneath this? Why did I run? Why am I still running now that I'm sober with codependency or with workaholism or all the other ways that we numb out and anesthetize the deeper rooted parts of ourselves that may not have a voice? And so first I had to become aware of all the triggers and all the ways that I ran. And I break all that down in the first two chapters of the book. I start to just tell the stories. And then once the story's shared to help the reader know they're not alone, I share the method, you know, this is what I did. Then I started to explore, you know, what are the triggers and how do I respond to them? But it was only until I was 36 that I actually remembered what it was and the reason why I was running. And as you said, it was like these deep-rooted wounds that we, that lived beneath the surface. I had a dream that I had been sexually abused as a child. And I woke up that morning. I was like, no fucking way. I'm not touching that. No way. No, thank you. I then went to therapy a few days later. And in that session, I believe I became safe enough to fully accept that that was a truth. So that became, at 36, I had um. 11 years sober, more than half a dozen books behind me. So I'd done a lot in that period of not knowing, but that was the moment when I became safe enough to remember. And I had dissociated from that trauma two decades earlier, more. And it was time, three decades earlier, it was time for me to fully recall that memory and start to get to work on the trauma recovery. And that that's only halfway through the book. <laughs> I mean, and thank you so much for uh, sharing that because... You know, I'm, I have a responsibility with this podcast that the people that I'm having conversations with feel comfortable and safe and also that this is collaborative. This is not me just asking questions and expecting answers. This is, you know, I'm very much to be sort of led by you and, and how much you want to talk about today because this isn't easy stuff to talk about. And I know that from my own backstory. Sometimes when you bring up memories and you're retelling them in a, you know, work capacity or not, it can drag you back a bit and it can drain you. It's very tiring to have to go back to big memories of things that have, you know, un unfortunately shaped your life in, in ways that have caused either addictions or behavioural patterns that have been detrimental to you. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's so important and interesting to talk about the effects that trauma has on your on your cognitive memory. Yeah. And there are so many people out there that, you know, I know 
I, I can recall certain memories of parts of my life that I really don't like looking at. And I still don't. I'm very honest about it. I'm not like there with a lot of it. And I'm still working out how to accept certain things. I'm still not talking about a lot of it publicly because I'm not there. But my memory is shit. Like, it's shocking. Yeah. But I've blocked out good bits as well. I've blocked out... There are whole chunks of my 20s that I just think... I don't... Know. And my girlfriends will be going, Oh, my God, do you remember that time this? I'm thinking... It's not, it's not in there. It's just absolutely not in there. And I think you say in the book that your bravery was to start wondering, mm. you know, why am I like, why am I doing all this stuff? Why am I acting in this way? And that opened up something and allowed these memories to come out. And I think it's really important for people to feel hopefully liberated. Because I know that you felt a sense of relief, although it was very painful to have this memory, a sense of relief along the way. Like, well, it makes sense now. But these memories can be completely eradicated by the cognitive memory to keep you safe. Yes, ma'am. We can dissociate from memories when the experience is so extreme or if it's life-threatening, if it feels life-threatening, it can be a beautiful part of our brain that says, okay, let's, we're going to check out. We're going to just go above that. And it may not be in your conscious memory but it's definitely in your somatic memory. It's definitely in your body. It's definitely in your reactivity. It's definitely in your relationships. It's showing up every fucking where. It's showing up everywhere. I like that I'm cur- like, like whispering while I curse. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. But, we, um, <laughs> but we're, we're, um, we're, it's showing up everywhere in our life. And it, it starts with noticing the places, noticing the triggers. We get into all of that in the book. Then it becomes, you have to become brave enough to wonder. Then it really, and then when you remember or you accept the truth, because many people do know what's gone down in their history, trauma with a big T, trauma with a small T, and that's for every single person listening now. Trauma with a big T was sexual abuse as a child or any kind of physical violence or sexual violence or a tragic event. Trauma with a small T is something like me when I was, in elementary school, I had a crush on a boy and he told me I was stupid. And that moment in time dictated the next 30 years of my perception of my ability to retain information, to, I mean, it almost stopped me from writing my first book. And it really only has been fully recovered in this last year. I went as far as to just do a tremendous amount of research for this book. And then I got trained in one of the modalities that I teach in this book called internal family systems therapy. And I've got my CE credits and and I was in school and I was like, oh my God, what a reprocessing moment. You know, this small T trauma changed me for 30 years. It made, it made me show up in ways that were really small. And when it came to educating myself and now my brain was reprocessed and I could do it. And so there's small T traumas and big T traumas and they all have effect on our life. So the the journey of undoing begins with becoming brave enough to wonder. And not everyone's going to have a dissociated memory, but they definitely have an experience that they have tucked under lock and key and just said, no way, I'm not touching that. I'm not going there. I'm going to build up all these other protection mechanisms, aka in my lexicon, protector parts, as it's taught in IFS. And all these different parts of myself to numb and push down those experiences and fears and and memories and things I never want to touch again. 
And so protector parts for look like workaholism. They look like cocaine addiction in my case. They look like rage. They look like blame, shame, judgment, overwhelm, all the ways that we negatively are reacting and managing. Truly, it's about managing our life, but really managing those exiled child parts of ourselves. Yeah, and we can't give ourselves a hard time because we are they are coping mechanisms. And even if they show up as things that can be a bit gnarly or, you know, if it is aggression or anger or it is workaholism, that's certainly been my one. I know that I'm, I still am stuck in that a bit and I'm still on the run from certain things and I can recognise it. I think we have to go easy on ourselves and, and not think, oh God, there's something, you know, wrong with me on top of all the stuff that is wrong with me. It's just recognising it. And I think, you're massively giving people permission, going back to the big T and the little T, to recognise and honour the little T. Because I think this is a really important subject matter. You know, for people that have been through big trauma, as hard as it is and as challenging it is to face up to that and to go on a, a path of healing, we can all recognise the big T's but with the little T's often our reaction is oh that was that was nothing I'm not gonna yep. that didn't that affect me a, in any way boy telling me I was stupid yeah exactly. yeah it's just like what what's the big deal but as soon as we honor it that's that is the only way we can then start to recover from it because if we keep going oh no it was, that, that wasn't anything so I think we try especially in the UK we've got this real sort of like you know, self-deprecating thing of, oh, you know, it was nothing and it's just silly old me or whatever. But unless we honour those little T's, those, and we've all got a ton of them, a massive sack of them, until we honour them, we can't get over them. We can't heal from them. That's exactly right. One thing you said that was so beautiful, and I really want to emphasise it, is that we can't judge or shame or blame the parts of ourselves that have been so extreme. In, in IFS, in internal family systems therapy, those are known as protector parts. And I say protector with air quotes, but they are, they have actually been protecting us. So maybe they've been wreaking havoc in our life because they're so extreme, but I can look back now and look at the part of me that was a cocaine addict and say, thank you, cocaine addict, Gabby, for just really doing what you could do at that time to survive. Or look back at the part of me that was a workaholic and say, thank you so much for just managing my impermissible feelings for so many years. And all the while writing nine books in 11 years, like, okay, we did some good work too. And the goal is not to shame, blame, or get rid of those protector parts. The goal is to help them calm down so that they can be less extreme. So we don't want to get rid of the workaholic fern because she does a lot of good work in the world. She puts out a podcast every week. She writes books every year. She is serving souls. She's cracking open a whole other culture to these types of topics. I, I'm calling her she. I, I I don't know if you gender her, but I, no, I, that's I fine with want me. to let people use their own language. But in any case, let's just call her a she for the moment. And so I want to thank her for her incredible service to the world. And the work would really be about helping her tap into the other part of us, which is that self energy, the God energy, the love energy, which is compassionate, courageous, calm, and it's caring. And it's just, it's confident and letting that energy soothe the workaholic so that she can still do her work really well but not in such an extreme way. So when, you know, all of this stuff that, that becomes habit, for me, it's definitely work, which can be masked as 
I'm being really productive and people don't see it as so much of a problem, which means I have to well, be even so more aware acceptable. of it when it, the balance tips. Oh, it's, it's celebrated. Like busyness is it's like... It's like you do everything. You're a machine. You're a queen. Oh my God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's totally acceptable, which means I need to be even more on it. But whatever it is, whether it's alcohol, food, shopping, gambling, porn, whatever it might be, whatever that habitual thing is, as you say, once we've had the awareness, we, we realise and we've also looked at perhaps the root problem. We have an understanding that our lives will probably be uh, easier, full of more contentment and peace if we dial it down a little bit. But of course, when you start to dial it down, you feel pretty unsafe because you're so used to it being there. And I can that, you know, that I relate to that hugely. I had a, a day off last week where the kids were at school. I, I sort of done all my emails. I'd filed a book that I'd done a first draft of. <laughs> didn't have a podcast to do. And I was like, oh, shit. I, I feel edgy as fuck. And I actually ended up doing a painting that I was really proud of. I still was sort of productive on my day off. because, Correct. Like you're creating, but you're still it, doing. Yeah, I'm yeah. still doing. I feel really unsafe. And I don't even, I can barely articulate why. It's something around self-worth for sure. Do you like to work with that part with me for a moment and do some IFF? Yeah, there? go on. Oh God, just do it. All right. Well, I just, you know, I, lo- I love a seeker and I, lo- I-, I-, I love, I love, a- I love a window to jump right in. <laughs> I know. I love you being, I love you being, you're my guide in this moment. You have been as a friend. Let's go for it. Yeah. So this is what we would be doing if we weren't on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. So would you, we have some buy-in? Can I do some work with you on the out on the um, workaholic part with that? Yeah. Be- yeah. 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 Absolutely. Comfortable. So um, first things first, I want to just have you just maybe even close your eyes or if you, whatever feels comfortable for you, you can look at me, whatever is more safe for you and just identify what you notice about that part. I gave her a gender. I want to take that away. It may not be a woman. It may be whatever you want to see. Is there a physical sensation? Is there a gender? Just spend some time gathering your attention. I want you to let this workaholic part show you whatever it needs and wants from you. Any images, any sounds, any physical sensations or words. When you're ready, you can just let me know what you're noticing. First of all, can you hear bagpipes? Because there's bagpipes playing and I don't know why, but there's actual Scottish bagpipes playing on my street, which is very weird. <laughs> what the fuck? Bagpipes. I live in London. There's Scottish bagpipes. Wow. Okay. I'll have to look into that. I'm going to look into that. Um, so I, 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 the, it's very instant. I can. It, I have quite a lot of clarity around it when I really focus on it. And it's a forward movement and without that forward whether it's progression or whatever it is without that I feel like it's game over it's all or nothing I'm moving forward or my life is crumbling at the wayside it's very potent I think the pushing forward probably has a a slightly masculine energy to it okay um but it's really strong and it's forward. And if I'm not doing that, oh, I feel like the life is sort of sucked out of me. So yeah, it's I can identify it. And, and also I get a high, I get a high from that forward. And when that's not there, I'm like grasping at other things. Where can I get that high? I need that high. So the high part is another part. So maybe we can just ask the high to step aside go out in the garden and just like have a coffee 
And so we can get to know the workaholic a little bit more. The workaholic is um, like insecure. You feel that might be what the workaholic is protecting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I. it's a feeling of what am I without the creativity and the making and the moving forward? What is there? Would you like to touch base on that? insecure part and move in a new direction. Yeah. Beautiful. So let's ask the workaholic to just go outside with the high part and just have a coffee. Whilst listening to the bagpipes. Listen to the bagpipes, just take a break. And let's listen to the insecure part. And when you just, just take a moment, just notice in your body where you feel it. Or if there's anything it wants to say to you. I think the insecure bit is sort of in my belly, sort of like an emotional something in my belly. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a there's a bit of sort of agitation or frustration in there. Beautiful. Okay. I want to thank her first. Does it have a gender? Yeah, I think it is a very female, insecure, yeah, feeling. So definitely female. Okay. I want to thank her for being brave and coming out so quickly. She did such a nice job of just being like, but it's I'm I'm actually a different part. So you know that was beautiful. And I also want to thank the part of you that's the workaholic for stepping aside. So how do you feel towards this insecure part? Um, you know, if I really think about it, I do have compassion for that part of myself. And I want to reassure her that it's all right and it doesn't really matter. But I think in daily life, I don't quite reach that compassion. And I go for the habit rather than right. going, it's all right. Yeah. You're cool. You can rest. It's okay. Can we extend her some compassion right now? Mm. What would it look like? Is there anything you would say to her? The compassion would, honestly, I would literally just say stop. Like no other words come to mind apart from stop. Just stop. And I know that it would be very beneficial to do that regardless of the outcome but yeah it's just it's like a very loving stop a loving stop beautiful yeah passion we've got a loving stop and that's very very courageous of you beautiful yeah Mm. now um what does she need from you if she were to say anything to you does she even know that you're there i would say she just needs a break from all of the outside noise that I very willingly let in. So if you guys were to take a break together, is there a place that you would take her for a break? Like, where do you, where do you love? Where's your break place? Um, My listeners will be very well aware of me having a deep love affair for the South Coast in the UK. So I would go to the sea. So just right now for a moment, can you just share with me, just maybe go inward for a moment and just potentially invite her to go to the sea with you? And just let me know what comes up if you, when you witness that or when you visualize that. Right now, taking her to the sea. Well, there's instant resistance. Okay, let's ask that. Let's say thank you to that resistance. Would it be okay if we asked the resistance to go back outside with all the other parts and have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fear. There's a fear of like, I can't, I can't stop. Well, how could I stop? There's a big fear there. Okay, let's ask the fear to just go have a coffee. If it's a, Let me know when the fear is stepped aside. Just for right now, this is just for this moment. Fear can come yeah. back whenever they need to. Yeah. You have access now to her? 
Does she have access to you? Yeah. It's gone. What does it look like when you take her to the beach? Like a big sort of sigh, like a big release, a big few. Um, Yeah, a big few. Like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for bringing me here. Yeah, she's grateful. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel in your body being with her at the beach? Much more relaxed, which is a very interesting experience considering we're having this wonderful intimate moment that I'm really up for and I'm up for sharing because I think it's super helpful. But because it's in the context of we're doing a podcast, you know, there's still a bit of but wait, can you be, can you go to that place within this realm? Can you be, can you feel that relaxed? Wait a minute. Is that going to be of use? Are people going to think that you're doing your best? Are you doing well? You know, it's a really, really interesting. The insecure part's coming in again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming in and saying, no, 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 yeah. it's not, not safe because it feels too too settled. Yeah. But on a physical level, yeah, it's it's a great feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling. And, you know, just to honor this process with you right here, right now, you're not in a therapy session. You're not with me on FaceTime privately. So that awareness, that insecure awareness is going to be really loud. So the fact that you even had the ability to just even notice her, get so close to her, have compassion towards her, and even for a moment, bring her to the beach is exactly what this this process of internal family systems is meant for. What we did was a very quick kind of minor retrieval of that part. You, you go into this in some depth in the book and you, and you really encourage everybody to look at all the different parts of ourselves, which I think we don't really do on a daily basis. And I haven't heard that level of encouragement in many other books where we're really to honor all the we we, you're giving us again permission to compartmentalize all of these different past experiences and the offshoots from those experiences these different parts of ourselves can you just talk to me a little bit more about why is that helpful if somebody listening to this now goes well I know there's an angry part I know there's an insecure part I know there's a part reaching for the highs whatever it might be how how can that be helpful to us in everyday life well, what just happened with you that was so fascinating is this model is actually really good for you because you've done a lot of work on yourself. You have a lot of self-awareness. Um, you also are very conscious of your resistance. So you know you know who your parts are, really. But there's the very simply, I'm going to try to take something that's very big and just simplify it in a sentence or two, okay? So we have exiled parts that are the inner children, right? The, the, the little girl that was told she was stupid for me or the girl that was sexually abused as a child. And we say, no way, not going there. Going to build up all these protection mechanisms to not have to feel that. Those protection mechanisms look like workaholism or uh, addiction or whatnot. In your instance, you have the workaholic who's actually been protecting the insecure part. And my hunch is that that insecure part is a child part potentially yeah yes you you co-signing that yeah i think so yeah so that what we did was i I, i'm glad that we stopped when we did because typically in this kind of setting i wouldn't go too 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 far into those exiled parts but you have so much behind you that you were ready to just talk to her so quickly and what we did was when we asked the part of you that's the workaholic to go get a coffee and when we asked the fear part to go have a coffee 
And then there was another guy in there that we said, go have a coffee. When they started to go have a coffee, they settled down. They're like, I can take a break for a moment. And when they separated and went outside in the garden, we had what's called direct access. I knew that you had direct access from your highest part, which is yourself, right? This is the higher self, which you would call it maybe, but in IFS, self with a capital S, compassion, courage, calmness, curiosity. And the first word out of your mouth is, I have compassion for her, which immediately let me know that you had direct access to this younger part of you. And that we could even for a split second do a mini retrieval and just say, hey, let's go to the beach. This is perfect timing for me as I'm about to take a short break from work for my kids half term. And I do usually feel quite anxious going into that space. And a lot of, you know, self-flagellating talk comes into play. So it's going to help me a lot. But I want to I want to talk about other circumstances where this applies, which might be very challenging for people where there's shame at play. You know, if we're talking about sexual abuse, if we're talking about experiencing something very traumatic, we can often see that we were in something circumstantial that we had little control over and something was happening to us. Whereas there will be people out there, and I can actually think of many circumstances, probably small T's in my own life, where I've done something shitty and I feel shitty about it. And there's shame on top of that and there's regret and there's guilt and all those feelings. And I think it's probably one level harder to feel compassion to that part of yourself where you know you've messed up. Way harder. It's not a part that you would, shame in particular, is not a part that I would ever recommend you go towards without the therapeutic guidance of an internal yeah, system. Yeah, very tricky. Yeah, just it's not something that you would ever, that I would ever do. I mean, my work with IFS is very, um, it's like half of the half of the system because the deeper work would have been us going, for, you know, you are a therapist or maybe you and me because we're close, but going closer and closer to that insecure part and really working with her. But I wouldn't do that here. And I definitely wouldn't advise that somebody do that. My job in introducing this model to the world is to help people notice their parts with with compassion, courage, with curiosity. So there's 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 eight C qualities in the IFS model. So when you're in that self-energy, you're connected, you're calm, you're compassionate, you're curious, you're confident, you're creative. Creative is good. Those C's, those eight C qualities, when you notice that they are there and they are feeling any one of those qualities towards the protector part, that's really the way that I want to use this model is just to create direct access from the self, which is all those C's, to the parts that are extreme. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. I, I don't necessarily 
think any of this stuff's linear, is it? It's not like we can go, and I'm sure, I'd love, well, I'm interested to know what your own experience was like. Obviously, I have an understanding from the book, but hearing from you personally, from having that very traumatic memory recall to, you know, luckily having the wisdom that you do and the access to brilliant minds that you have and a curiosity to learn, no path to healing or I don't know if you ever end up in a place of feeling fully healed but no path of healing is is linear it's not like just one straightforward ascent I'm imagining it's undulating and I wonder where you're at today where do you feel you're at today in that course of healing from understanding your own past Mm, yeah I would never have been able to write this book, let alone put my face on the cover with the subtitle, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace, if I wasn't fully living in profound freedom and inner peace. I'm a completely different person than I was when we first met in 2020. Wow. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that for me, every part of my journey has been an up-leveling and an up-leveling because I've been in the pursuit of freedom. So I got sober and then I got super spiritual and then I developed my own spiritual condition. And it's important to note here that even spirituality can be a protector part. Sometimes we can use spirituality to get above the pain. And that's cool too. You know, that's a much better way to to protect yourself than alcoholism, you know, not to judge any of it because I've been there for all of it, but there's steps along the way and we can take those steps with a level of our own safety. Okay. Yes. I'm ready to go there now. And now I'm ready to go there now. And now I'm ready to remember. And now I'm ready to go do some somatic work. And now I'm ready to go do some EMDR and, and just continuing to take the steps towards that sense of safety and freedom. And now guess what? I still have therapy every single week. I still practice IFS on myself. I still do 40 minutes of meditation a day. I'm never going to stop because there's, there's, there's something powerful about like, once you start to feel calmer and safer in your body, then you can really begin to do the deeper work. It's like, you gotta, I, I, I remember in the book, I, I shared a lot about these different levels of support that I received and, and they all came at the times when I was ready to up-level to the next spot. And it's very liberating for people to hear that it is absolutely possible to heal from big T trauma, but it's not like you're then, yeah, I'm healed. I'm just going to live my life. Like you still need to have certain things implemented into your weekly structure that support your recovery from something or you changing lifestyle habits, which I think is really important. And you mentioned their EMDR, which you introduced to me as a friend. I'd I hope you don't mind me saying this on a sort of public platform, but I had spoken to you privately about my own panic attacks that I've, you know, shared plenty on this podcast and in my books. And it was getting to the point where it was causing a lot of trouble with like my work life and not being able to do certain jobs and whatnot. And I'm, you know, still I have had them in the last six months, but nowhere near as frequently as I was previously. So you introduced me to EMDR and a particular therapist that um, I was lucky enough to to get an appointment with. And I did, I reckon, about six months work with her on off. For, we'll get to 
talking about what the hell it is in a minute for for that because I didn't know what it was before you introduced it to me. But I will say on the last, I didn't know when my sessions were going to run dry. Like when are we done? When are we, you know, when are we at a place where I don't need to do this as frequently? And on my last session, during this process we'll talk about in a minute, I had this really clear vision and started sort of laughing my head off. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, something quite mad's happened there. Some shift has taken place. So it's been massively helpful and it's lessened the sort of acute anxiety that I had in certain situations and has given me another tool to use as well. So talk to me about how you discovered it, how it's helped you. And also, if you could just give us a little background on what the therapy actually is. So EMDR is known as eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It was, it originated with a a therapist who had sort of uh, been working something out in her head and she was sitting on a bench and she was watching a bird fly from tree to tree to tree to tree. Is that right? Yeah. And she noticed that she was able to really process what she was working out much more easily when she had that bilateral brain stimulation of looking back, looking forth, looking back, forth, back, forth. And so she started to really dig into this and identified that indeed bilateral brain stimulation is a really supportive way to get access to a process of reprocessing the disturbance. And the beautiful thing about EMDR is that you're talking about this target, whatever it might be. It could be the trauma or it could just be today's issue, but it's all related. And the cool thing is you don't have to go back into the original moment. You don't have to deal with the inciting incident. You can deal with the workaholism and you're still dealing with the inciting incident. And so you allow yourself to really focus on the target feeling similar to what we were just doing with talking to the protectors. And all the while you have some kind of bilateral brain stimulation. So your eyes are going back and forth or you have a buzzer in either hand or a buzzer in either ear. So you're going back and forth, back and forth. Then while you're doing that, you're you're opening up your brain's window of tolerance to actually process the original emotional disturbance. And sometimes, no judgment to talk to traditional talk therapy, but sometimes when we talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, we're actually reenacting it. In this case, it's not about the actual memory or the actual experience necessarily, maybe some and some not, but it's really about giving your your mind, your body, and your brain the ability to safely open up this safer level of tolerance to redo that disturbance. And so when you said that you were laughing, you saw yourself in the last session laughing, that's the reprocessing part. Mm. That's where your brain is saying, oh, this is how I can be instead. Yeah. I mean, the the wonderful therapist that you put me in touch with was like laughing and then she cried a bit because she kind of obviously was like, jackpot like we've reached Mm. a point where there's been change there's been some change and you know I urge everyone to read more about that in your book and to to learn more about it because it's been fascinating for me to learn about and I've I've recommended that uh, method of therapy to, to many different people that I love in my life that have had varying situations going on and Obviously, all of these memory situations, habitual things we lean on that aren't processed are going to come to the surface in some way if they're not dealt with. And one of the obvious ways is physically. 
And you've experienced this, I've experienced this. You talk about this in the book in terms of you having gut issues at points, but also postnatal depression and also insomnia being, you know, three big sort of physical things, you know, the depression coming out very physically as well. Um, So, you know, they are, again, signposts for us to go, something's not right here. And you actually talk in the book about how when you started to do some of this self-inventory and this this work, your gut issues just went. They just went. They're gone. The most miraculous gastrointestinal tract. It's amazing. (laughs) Well, in the book I write about uh, somatic experiencing, which we can get into, but I also begin with how all the ways that our body takes the heat when we have unresolved trauma. Because in the work of Dr. John Sarno, who wrote the book Healing Back Pain, and he also wrote The Mind Body Prescription, he's a, a fascinating human who really dedicated his life to helping people he, heal their pain, their physical pain, gastro, migraines fibromyalgia, back issues in particular, neck issues, by seeing it as a psychosomatic condition, by recognizing that underneath all that physical symptoms, all the physical symptoms was a root cause emotional disturbance. In no way did he deny the physical symptoms. In no way did he say, don't get traditional help if you need it. But he really focused on helping his patients go deeper into the impermissible rage and the impermissible fear or shame like you said earlier, that is the driving force for the physical pain. And to really simplify this, his thesis was that the body, from a science perspective, you know, we we look at, okay, so you have a reaction to an impermissible feeling, right? Like your, your insecurity shows up and then your whole body gets tight, right? And then you want to move forward, you know? And so I'm sure that you have like a lot of, maybe, I'm just guessing, but maybe some aches and pains. And- oh, my hips always. My hips are always hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the hips and all this are, are, are part of that stress response to the body. So the body is actually contracting and there is a stress response and your brain then sends all of its energy to that one area and it then kind of cuts off the blood flow. It's all Sarno work. Okay. So then you've cut off the blood flow to these different areas. So they've got this tension. And what happens is, is when we start to take the focus off of the physical sensation and we start to address the emotional disturbance, the impermissible rage, the, and in whatever form that comes, then the physical sense symptoms start to subside. And again, it doesn't mean that you don't take your medication, but it means that you take your medication and you're like, wow, things are really feeling better as well. You know, like I can sleep now. Mm. And now I wish, I wish I could have given my mum all these resources. I mean, she's actually medication free now, but she had polymyalgia for years and was on steroids and very uncomfortable, couldn't walk up and down stairs. She's managed to, you know, kind of come off the natural. I'm not, I haven't really ever asked her what she's kind of done mentally, but I know that certainly rage and anger is, you know, pretty much there for me and my mom it's not doesn't take much for us to tap into that and there was a really there you go. yeah there's an interesting exercise that you talk about in the book which is rage on the page so tell me about this i love this well it's really connected to this so sarno had uh dr sarno had a practice of just getting out your impermissible rage and feelings and whatever they were onto the journey in a journaling exercise and a friend of mine named nicole Sachs, who's a, a sarno teacher, she's taking his work and she's really brought it into the world in a beautiful way, said to me, I was like, I'm having all this jaw tension. And she said, okay, well, I want you to write 
for 20 minutes, all about whatever's up for you that day, every day. And then I want you to meditate for 20 minutes. And then I took that suggestion and brought it to the next level by, because I'm always experimenting. I brought in EMDR music and I put that in my ears while journaling about whatever was up for me that day for 20 minutes, 20 full minutes. I went through like 90 journals and then I would relax my body and lie back for 20 minutes, lying down actually, and meditate and just let my whole system settle. This is a practice that I still do today and it has changed my life. I went from having sort of uh, some additional sleep issues following the postpartum, gone. Wow. I got myself off of like all CBD, any kind of medication that I needed to support myself at the time, gone through what I then named Rage on the Page. She calls it journal speak, but then Rage I added the, this. No, Rage on the Page is award-winning. Um, Rage <laughs> on the Page is, is so good. And it's something, I, I think, you know, I've because I, I was doing my morning pages, like a Julia Cameron artist way type thing for a long time, and I dip in and out of it. And then sometimes it is Rage on the Page, whether I like it or not. Everything I'm writing is like, this is fucking shit. This person's an arsehole. But then I feel a bit of guilt and shame afterwards. So how do we let that all out and feel at peace with it? Like it's an okay thing to do to get all of this shit out of us. Well, give yourself permission to, instead of seeing it as an, as like a way to judge yourself for having those feelings, just just see it as a way of cleansing your, your mind at that time. Because you're going to take a shower because you got really dirty and stinky. So, okay, you got some dirty, stinky thoughts. You got to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Honestly, I, I really need to implement this because I can I can see I can tell you I can right see now. the power. All right, I'm giving you a, a Gabby prescription, okay? Right. Next hit me, hit 30 me. days. I'm gonna give right. you music. I want you to sit down. I'm gonna ask you to carve out 40 minutes a day. Okay. I'm doing it. 40 minutes a day, Fern. I want you to sit with your journal, rage on the page. And it might not always be rage, it might just be like overwhelm or workaholism or whatever wants to get out. And just let it out, let it out, let it out with full permission and compassion towards yourself. And then lie down and close your eyes and listen to the, listen to the binaural music the whole time, the whole 40 minutes, you're on repeat. And then lie down on your back and put your right hand on your heart and your left hand on your belly and, and just relax. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do anything. Just listen to the music. Maybe you fall asleep. Maybe you have inspired ideas. I don't care. Just because that relaxation time is when you reprocess. I'm doing it. I'm absolutely doing it. It's going to change your life. And you can check in on me. I'm going to I'm going to stick to my word with that one. There's something that I want to talk about as well, which is, you know, it's a broad subject, but I know it's an integral part of everything for you, whether it's healing or just going through regular daily challenges, and that is of course your faith. And I wonder because that word, you know, I've spent quite a lot of last year thinking about what that means to me. In your beautiful book, by the Thank way. Thank you so I, much. Um, Wait one second. Let me give you, let me gush. I held the book when it pulled it out of the box and there's a vibration in it. Oh. I'm fucking with you. The, and even just the cover, the whole thing is just like the cover and the weight and the whole thing just felt like Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. And then I dug the heck into that book and I was just, first of all, just so, so fucking psyched that, that you are the voice box for these messages and to demystify these principles for so many people. I was just like, yes, this is how God is using her. Oh, well, that is honestly very generous of you and and it means the absolute world. And thank you for being part of it as well. Did you like that I called you um, 
Debbie Harry with wings. Yes, yes. It's the best way to describe you. With your husky, sexy voice and your angelic aura. Um, I like to get in my bio. <laughs> you should. You should. So so I'm interested to know if it's if you're even able to sort of crunch this one down, because it's, it's a big question, but it's a very bespoke thing, whatever that faith is. And I'm still working out how I talk about what my belief system is. But I know that I believe and I feel at times supported, guided, all those things. How how would how would you describe your faith and how it helps you move through life? <clears throat> My faith is the way I have moved through life. It has been the foundation of my recovery. It's been the foundation of my resilience. It's been the foundation of my strength. Uh, I can speak to it with a story. So for the past 16 years, I've been a spiritual teacher, but for the past 42 years, I've been in the pursuit of strengthening my faith, whether I realized it or not. And faith to me means that there's an ever-present energy of love within me and around me, guiding me and supporting me no matter what happens in my life. And that it's always there, even in the tough stuff. And three months ago, I was five and a half months pregnant, as you know. And I had spent a year, all of 2020, doing IVF, did nine eight or nine rounds of of IVF, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. Finally, I intervened and asked for a different way and we and it worked. And I got this perfect little boy embryo, one embryo. And I kept saying, all you need is one. All you need is one. He was, he was tested. He was absolutely chromosomally perfect. Pregnant with him for five and a half months. And then at my 20 week scan, we realized that he was not growing. He wasn't getting what he needed from my body. My, my placenta wasn't working for him. And so I had to do a DNA and I had to let him go. First of all, that was my first experience of extreme grief like this. And it was the, all the humanness came up, of course, of just like horrific upset and just complete, you know, just to my knees. But very, very quickly, this energy came over me of this is what we've been training for, Gabby. And this pillow of faith that I fell into with this incredible knowing that there was great lessons and learning in this experience, a great opportunity for my husband and I to get even closer, to decide no longer. For me, I made a, I had a quantum shift. I just decided I'm not going to sweat the small stuff anymore. Because when you get to the big stuff, it's like, what was all that small shit about? I made a commitment to just give my heart and my soul to my family even more than I had before. And I also just stayed in my, my faith was so loud. It was like the soul is coming back in a way that may be different than you expected. And I just, I know that. And I believe that that's because I've strengthened my connection to a spiritual realm beyond my own, to the connection of that, that inner knowing and inner guidance system that can be so soothing to my system. And I am just really proud to say that the years and years, that the decades of counsel that I have given to other women who have been in that situation, even when I had never experienced it, were absolutely correct. Because when I got to where I was in that situation, it worked. And when I say it worked, it means that I was able to, I am able to continue to move through this grief with grace and most importantly, a strength and faith that there's something else on the way and that there was great learning and opportunity in that experience. <clears throat> Again, thank you so much for sharing that because I know it's um, not long since it, it happened and I know it's 
been deeply painful for you and the family. And again, you very graciously shared a lot of your experiences with your followers and your audience to be of service for them and to help them and to gain even more connection with people in the most healthy and beautiful way. So thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, the same goes for me in my life without a belief in something else and something bigger. Um, There's certain things that I, I don't know how I would have got through certain situations. It would have been a hell of a lot more painful and I probably would still be stuck in those sort of situations now. So I feel very grateful that I can tap into that and I'm so glad for you that that you've got the same and you know I've learned a hell of a lot about that subject matter from you and even from before we met reading your books and having a curiosity and a willingness to sort of learn and you've been a a huge part of that so thank you so much. Gabby I'm so glad that I get to be your mate and that we get to talk in this way but also just about random everyday shit when we're voice noting each other or texting each other it's kind of I guess the beautiful thing about my job now is that I just get to meet all these beautiful people just sort of turn up I'm not even expecting them to and it's just I feel very very lucky and I'm really glad that my brilliant happy place listeners get to hear you talk so passionately and uh, with such a rawness and at the start, we talked about that beautiful vulnerability and you you show up with that every time. So I'm beyond grateful, Gabby. Before we close, I just actually want to bring that full circle moment of you opening by acknowledging that my publishers were nervous for me. It was too vulnerable. And what they were correct about was in that first draft of this book, I hadn't really done enough emphasis on how faith was with me the whole way. And I had about a week to go back in and I went back in and just, you know, when you're doing a painting and you finished and you think you're done with that last 10 minutes, that last, like, you know, few strokes just nails it. And so I went back in with those last few strokes, which was really emphasizing how spirit was by my side the entire time and how I would never have been able to be where I am sitting in the seat of freedom and inner peace if I hadn't had that spiritual connection as my foundation. I mean, there's no way you'd be able to write about this stuff or sit here today talking about this stuff if you didn't have that faith, but also if you hadn't been willing to have a look, have a deeper look and, and do the necessary work to get you to that place. I know that for sure personally, because there's certain things that I still don't want to talk about because I haven't reached that place yet. But again, you will act as... Um, a huge inspiration to me that you're you're willing to go there and you're willing to put the work in to get to that place where you can share it it's very very powerful very powerful i love you oh gabby i love you too so much maybe too much and thank you so much for your time gabby like i said just thank you for being an inspiration to me quite frankly Gabby's book, Happy Days, A Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace is out now in hardback. While you're still here, do make sure you've clicked the follow button on your podcast app so you're always notified when a new episode is available. And if you want to be surrounded by even more Happy Place love and support this week, come and chat with us on Instagram. We would love that. Just head over to at Happy Place Official for so much joy and goodness and support and positivity. 
Thank you so much again to Gabby, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and a massive thank you to you gorgeous lot. I'll see you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com